Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right, so Matt, do you know what George Washington's favorite type of music was? Hmm, no. Well, I heard he really loved his country. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) You don't hear many George Washington jokes. Uh, all right? That's right. You don't. Yeah. Take, take what you can more. get. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now. Pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm pretty good, man. Good day. Uh, can't complain. Yeah. Nobody'd listen. No, I was going to say I wouldn't listen, but <laughs> I'd let you complain, but I'd be thinking about something else. I'd. Um, so before we get into it, we want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. You can find a list of shows that some of them you might not find anywhere else. So go over there, check it out, podbelly.com. They also have information on starting a podcast if you're interested. They've got uh, some tips and tricks and stuff like that. And you can listen to little episode things on what is a podcast how do you start it all that kind of stuff so go go over there and check it out at podbelly.com we also want to thank tonight's sponsor hello fresh um i literally just ate some hello fresh a few minutes ago so be more than happy to talk about them here coming up in the episode and we want to say go check out patreon.com slash graveyard tales you can sign up to become a patron we've got three different levels and each one of them has a little something different for you. Um, our $10 a month patrons, they get the video version of us recording the episode. They get an ad-free audio version. Plus, they get audio and video versions of the bonus episodes that we put out. And we try to put out a bonus episode every week, even on a dark week. So mm-hmm. if we're dark, our patrons still get a kind of a mini episode there yeah. in we run the gambit of what we talk about. It's not just paranormal stuff. It, it Sometimes we just have a funny joking thing. If Matt or I go on vacation, we'll give you a vacation catch up. If anything crazy happens, like what was it last year? I sunk in quicksand. Well, we talked about that <laughs> on a Patreon episode. So, Which, you know, based based on television when I was growing up, I thought that was going to be a much bigger problem for me. Yeah, no joke. Yeah. No joke. Well, and I've I've made it almost to forty years old, and that was the first time I'd ever experienced quicksand. Now it wasn't fun, that's but right. I'm not dead. I don't think yeah, so. That's right. Yeah, it's just a little Adam's hat just sitting on top of a <laughs> yeah. Ashley standing there going, 
oh my god then he comes walking up picks up his hat what <laughs> yeah it blew off down the beach and, and my hat there and i've got my arm sticking up holding my vape up so it doesn't get wet <laughs> yeah hey, but you know one thing the vape. <laughs> yeah they, they they're expensive yeah um but you know one thing we do on patreon as well is we'll do follow-up episodes on main episodes. So right. maybe we'll dig a little bit deeper or we'll take a certain aspect of the show and we'll expand on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we, we've done that several times. So yeah, it's a great time to, to jump in there, uh, support the show, but get a ton of bonus content. Um, you know whether it's the audio you're after whether you want to see the videos you know it's a it's a good time to do that you know give you something to listen to while you're laying out by the pool and all that stuff and our patrons are what keep this show going we could not keep doing this without the donations from our patrons so go over there patreon.com slash graveyard tales All right, Adam, you know, one of my least favorite things is going to the grocery store. Oh, yeah. And and just below that is being asked, what do you want for supper? <laughs> you know, I had to do it tonight. I'm like, yep. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, HelloFresh takes those two things off the table. I don't have to worry about going to the grocery store because all my ingredients are delivered right to my door. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to worry about asking or answering what's for dinner because right there in my HelloFresh box, I've already got dinner planned out perfectly. Right. I could come home and cook. The kids could come home and cook. It doesn't matter. Okay? And flavor is in full bloom at HelloFresh. You can enjoy the taste of spring with chef-crafted recipes featuring ripe seasonal ingredients. Again, delivered right to your door. And this may... HelloFresh is celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So you get to try limited time authentic recipes created in partnership with with Chef Serbi Sani of New York City's Tagmo Restaurant and enjoy a cultural taste tour right in your own kitchen. And look, if you've never had that Polynesian style food, you got to try it. Mm-hmm. It is fantastic. And what better way to try it than at your house that you make it and you don't have to go out and search for all the ingredients. It gets sent <laughs> to your exactly, house. Exactly, yeah. And HelloFresh makes dinner time a snap with deliciously easy options that will please everyone at your table. From fit and wholesome to pescatarian to veggie, they have a meal plan that suits your lifestyle. Plus, you can swap out proteins and sides to your liking. And you can you can check the save money box off of your growing to-do list with the help of HelloFresh because HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% cheaper than takeout. And with everything going up nowadays, now is the time to get in on HelloFresh. Yeah, and I don't even know what pescatarian is, but I bet it's good. It's uh, full fish, like all fish. You don't. That's the only uh, meat you eat. Oh well, see, yeah. 
I learned something new. You learned something new with Hello Fred. <laughs> right, <So>. exactly. <laughs> and I actually learned something new tonight uh, because before we recorded, I made a miso apricot glazed barramundi fish. Oh, wow. And I have never had barramundi before. I've always heard it was good, never had it. So Ashley picked that one out for this week, and I tell you what, man, that was good. We did a beef enchilada the other night, and I'm going to tell you, man, Mexican food is my favorite type of food, favorite genre of food, I guess. If you give me the option, that's what I'm picking every time. And HelloFresh does an amazing job with all of their Mexican food, Tex-Mex style recipes. It was so good. So... You guys know how much Adam and I love HelloFresh. If you want to get on board with us, just go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard16 and use our code Graveyard16. That's G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-1-6 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's right. All you got to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard16 Use our code GRAVEYARD16, that's G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-1-6, and you'll get 16 free meals plus free shipping. Now, Matt, that's all I've got for the housekeeping, so why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother? So tonight, we decided we would do kind of a throwback episode. Um, one that's very similar to the first, uh, year of graveyard tales where we would cover these broad topics and, and talk about it. Usually we did one on vampires. We've done werewolves and dragons. So tonight we're going to discuss unicorns. There you go. Yeah. So if you're, if you're a big unicorn lover, then you're probably going to love this show. Yeah. Uh, one thing, I mean, <laughs> and and I knew this prior to getting into it, but it, it just, it needs to be reiterated. Modern depictions show sparkle farting, rainbow pooping <laughs> unicorns. Right. Historically, that ain't the case. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which we'll get into. But, you know, now you think of unicorns and you think of, well, he unicorn fart sparkle. And that that's where sparkle and glitter comes from and right. is unicorn farts. And a rainbow is just a, a unicorn pooping. So but that that's not the case. And it just it has to be reiterated because it can't be said enough. That's that's not where the legends and stuff uh, started. Yeah, exactly. And, and we're going to talk about the difference and how the, how the legends started. Um, but we're even going to talk about what, what these historical figures that described a unicorn, what they were probably looking at. So this one, this one ought to be a lot of fun. Um, we're going to have some fun with it for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So, as we always say, go check our sources. Down at the bottom of the show notes, you can find where we found our information. You can continue the research if you'd like, or you can just see the original information from the person who dreamed it up or discovered it, whatever the case may be. So, go check out our sources in the bottom of the show notes. Now, 
Fun fact, Matt, I don't know if you know this. I didn't know this until starting the research. April 9th is National Unicorn Day. I found that out, too. Yep. And I had no idea. We're a little late, but (laughs) I mean, the thing is, there's a national whatever day for everything. I mean, I think tomorrow is National Naval Lent Day. I I don't know why, but we got a day for that, too. Uh, But April 9th is National Unicorn Day. If that interests you, um, you can go fart glitter or something on people. I don't know. I don't know what you do on National Unicorn Day. Now, some of this information here comes from the St. Neots Museum because it was the the best source I found on some of this history and stuff of unicorns mm-hmm. uh, without too much editorializing. Um, now, it says the first dubious nod to unicorn mythology comes from the Indus Valley civilization, which together with ancient Mesopotamia and Egypt, they formed one of the three powerhouse civilizations of the ancient Near East, which was about 3000 to 1300 BCE. Now, imagery on seals that like not the animal or the uh, Navy branch, but like seals, like a, a seal on something um, imagery on these seals belonging to elite members of society depict a horse-like animal shown in profile with a single horn protruding from its skull. Granted, this early link to unicorns is, they say, a tenuous one, and it's much more likely that these are instead representations of aurochs, which was a type of large wild cattle that formerly inhabited Europe, Asia, and North uh, Africa. But, you know, it it's a horse-like animal with one horn, so... To me, that's the definition of a unicorn. Now, the first written evidence that we have for unicorns appears in ancient Greece. Not, as you might expect, in writings of mythology, but in natural history writings. So once again, this was on the ancient Near East. So it seems like we have a common ground for a lot of this stuff where the most of the early unicorn sightings were the ancient Near East. So yeah. it's it seems like this is an animal because it has a mm-hmm. home range, right? Right. So that's the first thing to keep in mind is these people are seeing something and it seems to fit with the range of an actual animal. Now, the earliest accounts come from writers like... Um, Tessius in the 4th century BCE in his book Indica on India, not what some of you are thinking when I say Indica, not uh, Indica and Sativa. Yeah. Um, in his book Indica, yeah, he said, yeah. whoa, man, man, I think I see a unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> it all makes freaking sense now, Matt. That's that, right. It's just, it's start. Okay. Well, episode's <laughs> over. We figured it out. We figured it out. Indica made people see unicorn. Okay, I'll keep going. Uh, he includes one of the first references of a unicorn describing them as a type of wild ass. So a donkey, not Matt. Um, <laughs> quote, fleet of foot having a horn, a cubit and a half in length and colored white and red and black. So that's interesting coloration for an animal. Yeah. White, red and black. 
Uh, Sounds like a bird. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't see those colors together much in the mammalian world. Right. White and black, yeah, but you don't see red much in mammals. Yeah. At least if we're talking bright red, you don't. But right, yeah, you, it's usually it's usually closer to an orange or a or a burnt brown color. Yep. Think of uh, uh, orangutans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, in the same writings, he also includes descriptions of the oryx, which is a type of antelope with similar colorings uh, described above. So it's likely that the two were one and the same, according to this source. The yeah. the source is saying it's probably. This dude is seeing an oryx. And if you've ever seen a picture of an oryx, um, they they are colored that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a reddish brown and, and black and white. Um, but the horns are the the most uh, unique feature of an oryx because their horns are really long. Mm-hmm. And and they're not. I don't know how to describe it. They're they're not exactly they they don't branch out. They kind of go straight up. Right. They so, they've been called scimitar or scimitar horned oryx. Yeah. For that reason, because they're very close to the center of the head and they kind of curve backwards very slightly. Mm-hmm. And so if if you were to see one in profile or from a distance or not out in the wide open, you might only notice one horn Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so you know that his description may be exactly right if we consider that he was looking at an oryx Mm -hmm. very true now in the first century ce Pliny the elder writes of a fierce animal he called the monokeros or single horn which is a word with entomological links to unicorn Mm -hmm. so monokeros um, is what Pliny the Elder called it, which, quote, has the head of the stag, the feet of the elephant, and the tail of the boar, while the rest of the body is like that of a horse. It makes a deep, lowing noise and has a single black horn, which projects from the middle of its forehead two cubits in length, end quote. So Pliny the Elder even saw a, a single-horned yeah. Thing. Now the the feet like an elephant I have an issue with because it all depictions of unicorns have horse or closer to goat like hooves, not elephant feet. So I don't, right. I don't understand that part, but now later in the thirteenth century, Marco Polo would add to this unflattering description of a unicorn by adding that, quote, they spend their time by preference wallowing in mud and slime, end quote. So along <laughs> with their, yeah, I mean, hey, so we can, we can see already that this is not the glitter farting unicorns. These are wild beasts that wallow in mud and slime and i mean it, it, it that reminds me of like a wild boar yeah i mean it, it it doesn't really sound like anything mystical no no it doesn't now along with their physical description Pliny is also amongst the first writers to describe the unicorn's character traits 
stating that they were amongst the fiercest animals in India and impossible to be captured alive. This would become a running theme to their mythology, particularly in the medieval period. So that is something to keep in mind, too, as we go through these, that the the unicorn originally was a fierce animal. You couldn't capture it. You couldn't kill it. And it was mean. Mm-hmm. And it wallowed in mud and slime. But, you know. Right. <laughs> now, the unicorn is actually mentioned in the Bible. Nine times, in fact. Now, you know, there's some argument among scholars about the validity of these translations, whether it meant what we know as a unicorn or whether it meant like a wild ox. But whatever the case, since it's mentioned, we should look at it before we continue through our historical timeline, especially since it's brought up anytime people are discussing the validity of unicorns, they'll bring up, well, it was mentioned in the Bible. Right. So we, we do need to look at what they say, and then we'll continue our travel through history. Um, without the context of the surrounding verses, we probably won't understand the implication of the verse, but mm-hmm. for our purposes, that's not important. So these are the King James translations. So Jerb, 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 bet you, bet you didn't know there was a book called Jerb. Um <laughs> Job 39.9, will the unicorn be willing to serve thee or abide by thy crib? Job 39.10. It's going to hang out by your crib. Yeah. yeah. No, it'll just abide know, by it. I didn't realize that Job was so hip. Yeah, he is, man. He, <laughs> Job, had, Job had unicorns up in his crib. So he was on that MTV show, too, for a oh, while. Oh, yeah. You yeah. didn't see that episode of Job's, Job's crib? I, no, I must have missed it. Now, 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 Job thirty nine ten, canst thou bind the unicorn with his band in the furrow, or will he harrow the valleys after thee? Psalm twenty two twenty one, but my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oils. Now, what I found Psalm ninety two ninety two ten is the same as. 2221 it's just a a repeat right it's just a a repeat and if you know anything about psalm uh, the book of psalms it that happens yeah sometimes yeah now deuteronomy 33 17 his glory is like the firstling of his bullock and his horns are like the horns of unicorns numbers 23 22 god brought them out of egypt he hath as it were the strength of a unicorn Numbers 24, 8, God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. So this is that verse is speaking on the fierceness, I guess, uh, of the, the unicorn mythology. Um, Isaiah 34, 7, and the unicorn shall come down with them and the bullocks with their bulls, and their land shall be soaked with blood, and their dust made fat with fatness. So again, the fierceness of... Yeah. Like, now the last one, Psalm 29.6, He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. 
So nine times unicorns were mentioned in the Bible. And from what I was reading, it there, there may be some other um, books that run tangential to the Bible teachings and stuff that also mm-hmm. mention unicorns more. Oh, like books outside of the the canon? Yeah. Uh, outside of the 66? Right. Okay, yeah. Right. Um, but man, doesn't it sound like the, the with the descriptors they're using, they are they are describing a creature that they expect the reader to know. Right, right, exactly. I mean, you're not you you're not gonna especially with you know all the mentions in Psalms, you're you're not going to write, you know, poetically. And use a descriptor that nobody's going to understand. Right. You know, right. it's like, you know, the the grass was as green as the mold in my refrigerator. Well, how many people are going to know that? Right. So you're, you're going to use something that the reader is going to recognize easily and can make that comparison. So all of those make it sound like they're, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a creature that we have any kind of visualization in our head or not, they're describing a creature that is real mm-hmm. and that that people are aware of. Right. And whether it be misinterpretation of an actual creature or not, it's a misinterpretation that is wide, uh, widely known right. because of that. Now, in the second century CE, a Greek Christian text known as the Physiologus, widely seen as the predecessor of the popular medieval bestiaries or books of beasts, further made popular the allegory that unicorns were strong, fierce animals, adding that their horn could purify poisoned waters. The book also strengthened another popular belief that it developed, which was that unicorns could only be subdued with the co- cooperation of a virgin maiden as unicorns were said to become loving and docile in their presence. So this, along with their purifying characteristics, subsequently led to Christ himself being associated with the unicorn and medieval artwork often depicted a unicorn as a metaphor for Christ. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you look at uh, artist interpretations of unicorns, uh, even the ones that aren't all fairy dust and rainbows, they're typically white. Yep. And white signifies purity. And they're given these uh, these special attributes of being able to uh, purify water, you know, alleviate poisoning, you know, so forth. And and even even the idea that you would you would need the assistance of a virgin maiden to be able to subdue a unicorn what is a what what is the symbolism behind a virgin maiden purity and right. so that is associated with with Christ so there's the connection there but i think that's another aspect of how we've developed this modern interpretation of a unicorn you know, mm-hmm. being being white, but being majestic and somehow being pure. Um, that you know, all of that is is right in here. But 
not only with the biblical references to it, I found, and you probably found this too, this idea, and it's a, it's a, a lot of people believe that this could have happened, is that the unicorn somehow got left off the ark. Oh, yeah. And yep. that, you know, they, they got wiped out. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the article I read that was talking about this said, that would ha- then unicorns would have to be really stupid. <laughs> and I said, mm. Well, wait a minute. It wasn't like Noah was putting up posters, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. If right. you want to be saved, be here at the ark yeah. by this day. <laughs> the I mean, animals are all coming up going, what about, are you going to get on this thing? Yeah, <laughs> you, you pull the ticket and now you've got your <laughs> ticket to go on the ark. Yeah. Yeah. But if that, if that is the case then that statement actually follows along with the legends of the unicorn that it could not be trapped. Yeah. It could yeah. not be killed. So if you were wanting to trap a unicorn to put it on an ark like Noah was trying to do, uh, well, <laughs> how are you going to get a unicorn that can't be trapped? Right. Yeah, I mean, so it, it kind of follows along with the mythology of the unicorn there. Now, in medieval Europe, the unicorn became a symbol closely associated with chivalry, with heroic lovers and their lady companions often compared to the doting relationship between the unicorn and a virgin. During the Renaissance, in a move away from the Christian allegory, the unicorn became a secular symbol of chastity and loyalty. From the 15th century, unicorns also started to become popular in heraldry, frequently depicted as a horse with a goat's hooves and beard and a delicate spiral horn. They're often also shown as collared with a broken chain, perhaps as a nod to their immense power and ultimately untamable nature. In Celtic mythology, the unicorn is a symbol of purity, innocence, and power, and so became an obvious choice for Scotland's royal coat of arms. So, if you've never seen Scotland's coat of arms, you should go check it out. Yeah. Um, there is a a unicron on there. <laughs> a umicorn. Yeah, a umicorn. <laughs> I seen one of them umicorns in my yard last night. I shot at him. He he just caught the arrow in his teeth and ran off. Now, it's real quick. Look at uh, the healing properties here um, before I pass it off here to Matt. So the purifying qualities associated with the unicorn's horn was such a popular legend that cups reputedly made of unicorn horn were highly valued by medieval nobility as a protection against poisoning. In reality, these cups were most likely made from rhinoceros horn or narwhal tusk. Mm -hmm. And unicorn horn as a means for protection didn't end there. In the 17th century, London newspapers often contained advertisements for miracle elixirs made of, quote, true unicorn horn. These were said to relieve a full-on list of diseases from ulcers and scurvy to melancholy and fainting spells. Well, we need a unicorn. I'm telling you. Get a unicorn and a small, like, microplaner and just go up to his (laughs) horn every day, plane a little bit off into a cup, and no diseases shall touch thee. Mm. <laughs> so I just but because you brought it up, 
I, I just decided that I would go and take a look at Scotland's coat of arms. And I had never, never really looked at it. And sure enough, yeah, it's got unicorns on it. Uh, but what it also says is that the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that either. I didn't know you could, you, you could have a mythical creature as your national animal. I would love for the United States to have a second national. I don't want to get rid of the bald eagle. I love that the bald eagle is our national thing, yeah. but I would like them to add Bigfoot. Yeah, Bigfoot. Yeah, why not? Bigfoot is our backup national. Yeah, that's right. In case anything happens to the bald eagle. Have a national cryptid. There you go. (laughs) But, you know, as as Adam has talked about, there's all these different attributes uh, that have been assigned to the unicorn. And so I thought it might be a good idea to talk about some different types of unicorns that have been described in different literature, either in folklore. And one of these is even from a game, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. So the first one I want to talk about is the magic corn. Now the magic corn is a cross between a unicorn and a mage. The resulting creature is considered to be the most powerful creature in the unicorn world. It's the most dominant and it likes all the others to fall in line behind. And some refer to the magic horn as the leader or the ruler. So this imagery is, I think, what most people have in their mind when you say the word unicorn. Mm-hmm. You know, this very, very majestic um you know, whether it, you know, it's sparkly, you know, it gives off an aura, you know, something that says, I, I am the unicorn. It's not some little sissy thing, you know, with, eh, like, see my horn? No, it, I mean, this is like powerful. The reason that Scotland would have chosen it as their national animal, um, you know, it, that'd be like, you know, mm-hmm. not like having a, a teddy bear is your national animal. You know, there's something that is powerful, right. you know, something that's strong, a, a leader, you know, that that's the magic horn. And that's what I, I kind of feel like is is what most people consider. But Probably, there's yeah. there's others. The nightmare unicorn. Now, the nightmare. I met him once. You met him once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He came to me in a dream. It but was the a night- bad dream. The nightmare unicorn is actually a creature from the game Dungeons and Dragons. Now, I know what you're going to say. Well, why did you include this? You know what? You're, you just we just know that this is all fictional. Well, why did well, you include this, Matt? We just know that. Oh, yeah. If uh, <laughs> if you consider that when when TSR developed the game Dungeons and Dragons, what they what they used to develop their their creature lore um, and everything that's used in playing the game, they gathered from other sources, mm-hmm. folklore, you know, other literature. I mean, you realize that there's actually a book that they they had to they actually got sued over 
that included Cthulhu. Yeah. Um, so they're not just making up all of their own. Maybe they're adding attributes to it, but I included it because there's a really good chance that they came across, you know, some imagery of an evil unicorn or, or one that was the opposite of this powerful, pure white unicorn. Right. right. So instead of being white, it is black and it is considered to be the offspring of a black unicorn and nightmares. Now, I don't know how that plays out, but again, you know, you, you do what you want with your game. But unlike gentle unicorns, nightmare unicorns thrive on causing pain and suffering to those around them. They delight in torture and they prefer to live a nomadic life across wastelands and war-torn zones. That brings up another point that we've, we've never really gotten deep into is the, the aspect of paranormal activity around war zones. Right. Um, you and I have talked about doing, we need to do. Yeah. What we do. Um, but there, there have been creatures like this, Mm -hmm. you know, with similar descriptions, but in the case of the nightmare unicorn, um, they had a rider and this, this was even from world war two where there were reports that soldiers saw something that would fit into this description. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's not just completely made up. Maybe it's not totally fiction, Mm -hmm. but it says unlike other unicorns, nightmare unicorns prefer to eat meat. And they particularly enjoy meat that comes from a creature that they have frightened to death. So, kind of, kind of. Actually, it sounds kind of cool to me. You know, yeah, it sounds cool (laughs) to me too. But unicorns aren't—they're not restricted by culture, and other cultures have their own idea of a unicorn, like the Killin. That's Q I Q I L I N Killin. Is Not the Ch- K-I-L-L-I-N? Yeah, no. Like you killing it? <laughs> I'm killing it. <laughs> the killing is the Chinese version of a unicorn. Now, it is said that no two killings look the same. They are most well-known for their deer-like body, hooves like a horse, a tail like an ox, and a head like a dragon. At the center of the killing's head is a forked horn that is similar to that of uh, the traditional imagery of a unicorn. But sometimes there is only sometimes there is only one horn, but on occasion they are described as having two. Now the killing is thought to bring peace and serenity to all those who see it. They usually appear whenever a powerful ruler or a sage is being born or when they have died. Achillans are known for their beauty and have been depicted in traditional Chinese art for centuries. And, you know, that the idea of the dragon head, you know, that's a very, that's very common imagery in, in Chinese art. Mm -hmm. Now this one is called the straight horned unicorn. 
the straight horned unicorn is the most common type of unicorn that you would see it. And they, this article said, this is the one that you see on merchandise. Um, when you go into a store, you're, you know, you're, you're taking your kids into Claire's boutique because they want a diary with uh, a unicorn on it and they want a unicorn t-shirt and they want unicorn earrings and all that. Yeah. This is, this is what they say that that imagery is based on. Right. They are known for their horse body and long straight horn that protrudes from the center of their forehead. And some unicorns will have horns that are shorter while others have some that are really quite long. Uh, During medieval times, as Adam mentioned earlier, narwhals were especially hunted because of their long straight tusks that could easily be mistaken for a unicorn horn in a marketplace. So maybe it's this reason that some stories say that straight horn unicorns of the, are the offspring of ponies and narwhals. Again, I can't really see how that happens, Um, but such creatures are thought to feel more at home in cold and icy places. So I, I, I'd say that because of where narwhals are, <laughs> that's where that's associated with. I mean, you know, you don't, there's, I don't know. I don't think there's a tropic, uh, tropical narwhal. Um, no, but, but that's where they would be hunted. And so that's most likely where the horns were being sold. Right. and, I I heard something, and this was years ago, um, and forgive me if you have this. I'll cut it out if you touch on this later, but um, I'll cut mine out, not yours. I'm not being that mean. <laughs> um, I, I heard a thing that said Vikings used to kill narwhals and then would sell their horns to other communities as... Uh, uh, unicorn horns with magic powers. Sure. And I always thought that was interesting. And they said, well, that's that's how the myth got spread. And at the time, I hadn't dug too deep into it. But that it's obviously not since the unicorn has been around since before the Vikings did their thing. Right. But maybe that maybe they did do that and it just perpetuated the myth sure. of the unicorn. But. Well, it makes sense if there was already, you know, it's one thing for for you to be able to say, hey, this is a unicorn horn and it's magic and it can, you know, cleanse your water, purify your home, heal you from diseases. Um, it's another thing for you to go, hey, have you ever seen this? It's called a unicorn horn. Let me tell you about a unicorn. Yeah, that you're going to be like, yeah, that sounds like you're making it up. But if mm-hmm. people already had a general idea of what a unicorn might be. Um, then you could probably pass off this horn because what are the odds that the, the general person had ever even seen a narwhal knew, knew that they existed at all. That's true. You know, in in the time of the Vikings, you know, if, if they were, if they were say moving southward and selling these, selling their wares, whether it's, you know, weapons or clothing or, narwhal horns then the people would be like I've, I've never seen anything like this so i have no reason to disbelieve it right and right. and you're right that would have continued to perpetuate 
the the mythology behind it. Now, there's just a couple more here. Uh, the ember unicorn um, is considered to be the opposite of the straight horned, where the straight horns prefer the cold and the ice. The ember unicorns thrive in hot and dry conditions, like a desert. These warm-loving unicorns may be slightly more orange or pink in color and keep a diet of mostly scarab beetles. So That's a this weird sounds diet. like e- Egyptian um, imagery. Yeah, it does. The Eastern European unicorn is the shorter pony cousin to the traditional unicorn. This is the the little little unicorn. And it says these adorable creatures are set apart by their short, stocky frame. They're known to be very cute with large, round eyes and chubby features. I think Piper has one of these. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's like she, she'll pick it up and she'll do the thing from Despicable Me. It's so squishy! You know, <laughs> and that's what she's holding the unicorn. So, yeah. But despite their appearance, the Eastern European unicorns are known for being very swift and nimble. They're able to squeeze into small places to hide, and they prefer to find food by searching close to the ground for berries or delicious herbs. Now, the rainbow unicorn, how could we not have the right. rainbow unicorn? Now, unicorn and rainbows seem to go hand in hand, and rainbow unicorns are the most common ones that we would see today. They are everywhere, from unicorn toys to unicorn lamps to the the giant unicorn squishmallow, which is what Piper has. Um, but what what sets rainbow unicorns apart is the rainbow-colored mane and tail, and their horn is often gold but it it has been known to be silver or white. Rainbow unicorns are often thought to have power to control light, therefore creating rainbows. And some are even thought to be able to control the climate. Hmm. Now, the last one is called the Ruvus unicorn. And the Ruvus unicorn is simply the proper name of the traditional unicorn that we know and love. Uh, they're known for their white body, long white horn. They're very, very fast, and they're very good at hiding. The horn is known for having magical properties, particularly in the area of healing, and it's said that if a unicorn touches its horn to any liquid, that that liquid would be imbued with the power to heal any disease. So that sounds like if you got one, you're solid. You know, you, yeah. get, you get a hold of one unicorn horn, you're good. You don't have to eat it. You don't have to cut it up. You just touch it to the water, and then you drink it, and then you get the powers. Just stir your coffee with it in the morning. Hey, that's right. So, you know, be be on the lookout. I'm I'm going to have a unicorn horn for my coffee stir. <laughs> you know, in fact, um, you know, I just gave it in away. half and get me one. Now, now I'm gonna re- I'm gonna I'm gonna release my own product, which is a unicorn horn coffee stir. <laughs> you know, and it, it'll have this little this little legend. How it'll purify your coffee in the morning, give you power. You better trademark that. Well, it, it gives me, yeah, I am. Uh, unicorn uh, coffee stirrer, coffee stir, TM. So there, you go. there you're done. Yeah. So back off. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you need. Just say TM, 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 and we're that's done. That's right. That's right. All right. So, so enough of that. That was, you know, kind of fun talking about these different unicorns. Well, let's talk about the potential of there actually being a real unicorn and what it would have been. So in 1663, a skeleton was found in a cave in Germany. 
and a German scientist named Otto van Gurich uh, believed that the skeleton had belonged to a unicorn. An mm. excavation in 1872 revealed that the bones of the skeleton had belonged to multiple animals and someone had reconstructed the bones to make a fake unicorn skeleton. Now, for a long time, it was believed that Gurick was the one who reconstructed the unicorn skeleton. However, research suggests that Gurick was not the one who did this. He was just the one that found it. Mm. Now, interestingly enough, the fake unicorn skeleton is on display in the Museum of Natural History in Mag- Magburg, Germany. Magburg. Mag- Mag- Magdeburg. I should have looked up how to say that. It's <laughs> it's Magdeburg, I think. Well, um, here's the thing, Matt. Hey, would Graveyard Tales be Graveyard Tales if we looked up how to pronounce <laughs> .com everything? Hey, you, you guys wouldn't believe how many times that Adam and I do exactly that and still mispronounce it? Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> I, I know how to say it while I'm doing the research, and then as soon as we get get going, I'm like, uh, they lived in America. Yeah. I'm, 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 whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just whatever. It's words, words, letters, words. <laughs> so, so yeah, so they've got this, this fake unicorn skeleton on display. So I looked it up and I mean, man, this thing, it is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how anybody could have ever seen this and said, yeah, that's a thing. That's, I mean, not even just a unicorn, just anything. I mean, when you look, look, if you look at the picture, you're going to see it. And I bet you laugh. Um, It's like got this, it's got this big head. looks like a cow kind of head. It's got this great big horn, but then it looks like it has, Coming down, no neck, no body. It's got two legs coming straight down from the neck. It's got like what looks like a human femur and then like a human tibia, but much, much larger. And then from the neck going backwards, it's got this big, long, curved spine, I guess. It's like, you know, it's, it's hardly even jointed and it has... Uh, maybe, okay, yeah. Maybe ribs coming off of it. It 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 looks like if I asked uh, a kindergartner to draw me a unicorn. So it's like I think I found the one you're talking about, and it almost is like a two legged T Rex type. Yeah, that's but, exactly yeah. what. Yeah, two legged yep. T Rex with a tail yep. coming right out of its neck. Yep. <laughs> it's its neck goes straight into tail vertebrae. Its hip bones are up at its neck. And yeah, yeah, I don't know what the hell this is. It's, and then it's got a conical (laughs) horn that it looks like somebody took a dowel rod and made it into a toothpick. Yeah. Cause it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's perfect. It, it doesn't curve. It has no kind of grooves that I can see. (laughs) No. It's just this boing. Now you have to you have to image search unicorn skeleton museum and then you'll see right. it. 
if you go unicorn skeleton, you get a bunch of like Halloween, Halloween stuff. stuff or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tell you, when I saw, I was like, ooh, I want to, I want to look at this. And when I saw it, I was like, good Lord. You've got to look up the um, unicorn uh, skeleton Siberian, The though that one's interesting. Okay. And they got like a little baby. Yeah. Uh, a little baby unicorn. Yeah. Now, that you don't say any more about that because okay. we're going to talk about the Siberian my unicorn here in a minute. All right. All right. Now, the unicorn skeleton was fake for sure, but. The history of unicorn sightings doesn't end with this archaeological finding. In 1991, an Austrian biologist, uh, Antal Festetics, claimed that he actually saw a living unicorn. According to him, what happened in the Harz Mountain in Germany, um, that that, I messed that up. According to him, he saw this unicorn in the Hartz Mountains in Germany, which happens to be where the quote-unquote unicorn skeleton was found as well. So, you know, this, this guy says he saw one in 1991, even though it's the same area where they had the fake one set up. Mm-hmm. In 2012, 2012, the Korean Central News Agency broke the incredible news that archaeologists in Pyongyang had discovered a unicorn lair. Hmm. Or rather, the report said that they had recently reconfirmed the lair of one of the unicorns ridden by the ancient Korean king, Tong Myon founder of the kingdom which ruled parts of China and the Korean Peninsula from the 3rd century BC to the 7th century AD. The KCNA right. goes on to state that the location happens to be 200 meters from a temple in the North Korean capital, adding a rectangular rock carved with the words unicorn lair stands <laughs> in front of the lair. <laughs> So let's just advertise it. I'm telling you, I, when I, I, I thought, ooh, this is kind of neat. You know, what an interesting story. Oh, my God. They have put a stone out there and carved the words unicorn lair. They didn't. <laughs> the unicorn did that. With its horn. With its horn. And you know, now, this is, uh, it says the carved words are believed to date back to the period of Cor the Koryo Kingdom. 918 to 1392. Huh. Yeah. Unicorn lair. <laughs> now, there's one thing. It's important to note that right around the same time in 2012, there were a series of myths that were put out by North Korean news sources. They had previously reported that Kim Jong il was born beneath a double rainbow and that a new star appeared when he was born, that Jong-il learned to walk at three weeks old, and shot a round of golf that included 11 holes in one. Wow, yep. So if you remember when, when Kim Jong-il was in power in North Korea, it was not uncommon to hear these kind of stories. 
because he viewed himself as a deity. Right. And so this would all be things that a deity would be able to do. Well, I'm thinking, man, if you're a deity, you should have 18 holes in one. Okay. Right. Why, yeah. why only 11? <laughs> what was so hard about that par four that you didn't get a hole in one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a par one and yeah. he choked. <laughs> but in 2014, a man who wishes to remain anonymous spoke out about seeing a unicorn roaming the Highland area near Wick in Caithness, Scotland. Now, it's not the first time such claims have been made, although it was a first for Northern Scotland. And it came in the wake of the unicorn lair story out of oh, North yeah. Korea. Was this the video? Um, I, I don't know if this one is the... Okay, so what Adam is referencing is there is a video um, that's taken at, at a pretty good distance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you see all these lush hills and everything. And on an adjacent hill to where the the person taking the video is, you see what appears to be a, a white, a pure white horse with something resembling a horn quickly go into the bushes where it, it goes out of sight. Now, the funny thing about it is, like I said, it's at a distance. It's at a considerable distance. So it seems highly unlikely that this particular unicorn would have realized that anyone was actually looking and then decided to hide because the video is not like super short, um, but the sighting of the unicorn is. So if he just, if the unicorn was just kind of standing there and he pans the the camera down, it it's almost as if, he caught the unicorn, and the unicorn was like, "Oops!" and runs behind the bush. Right. How would how would he know? I mean, you know, magic miles away is what it appears to be. Unicorn and, magic, yeah, unicorn magic. Remember, they're really good at hiding. So right, un untrappable, <laughs> even on camera, even on camera. So, Adam, I don't know if this sighting is. In relation to that. Now, I know okay. that this man um, is is not the one that took that video. Okay. Now, if it's the same area, it could be the same situation, but it's not this man's report. Okay. Um, because uh, this, this fellow, uh, he says he was out hiking near the castle of Oldwick when he saw what he described as a unicorn, saying it was basically a horse with a horn and that he, he could hardly believe it. Um, but he didn't, he didn't get a camera. He did. He didn't have a camera, so he didn't get a photo of it or a video. Um, but the man did have one piece of advice for those wanting to find the creature, which was that they shouldn't go looking for it. Hmm. He believes that the unicorn came to him precisely because he wasn't specifically searching for it. And in that way, it was able to trust him. So, you know, like unicorn sightings are, are few and far between and in the past have been confused with viewing of the extremely rare Asala, which if you, if, if you look at a picture of an Asala, it is very similar to, um, it's like a large antelope. 
well, looking kind of creature. We did a Patreon on it. Remember our, our Patreon oh, on the Oh, yeah, the, the Asian, Asian unicorn. Yeah, yeah that's the right. The Sawala or Sa- Sayala, yeah. something like that. Hey, so just, you know, not, not to have a shameless plug here, but that gives you an idea of just how much content we have on Patreon. I, I didn't <laughs> even remember that we had talked about this animal before. Okay. But but it is it it is it is considered to be the Asian unicorn, um, but it it does it it looks more like an antelope than a horse or a zebra, but the unicorn was real, in a sense. It's just not the way we commonly depict it, as we said at the beginning of the show. This idea of a horse uh, with this horn and magical powers and all this stuff. That, that's not what an actual unicorn was. And scientists now believe that they have discovered the animal that is in these, these ancient descriptions, whether it's uh, Pliny the Elder, whether it's biblical references. They think that this could potentially be the animal that's being described. and. This is an ice age animal, the Elasmotherium Sibericum, or the Siberian unicorn. Um, it may have been the source of all these myths. But as it turns out, um, E. Sibericum uh, actually shared a common ancestor with a group that includes today's rhinoceros. And although no horns have been discovered. Analysis of the unicorn's skull shows a massive base where the horn would have would have come out of would it would have sat. Right now, contemporary rhinos weigh anywhere from fifteen hundred to three thousand pounds as adults. The Siberian unicorn was way bigger, uh-huh. and. It was probably twice that size. So you're talking about a potentially 6,000 pound animal here. Uh, You look at pictures of this thing. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. The horn on one of these things is as big as a human. Yeah, it is. It is not a little animal. But when you see the build of this thing, these this huge, strong body fur covered with these more rhinoceros-like feet. So that mm-hmm. goes along with the description of the elephant-like feet. Yeah, from Pliny the Elder there. Yeah. Um, and, and rhinos are grazing animals that move at a slow pace. This Siberian ancestor had a shoulder hump, which indicated that they could run long distances in open landscapes. Hmm. And its distribution ranged from Kazakhstan Kazakhstan to Siberia to the Ukraine and southwest Russia. So it covered a a large area. Now wow. based on fossils found in Siberia, archaeologists initially dated the extinction of E. Sibericum to 350,000 years ago. But that figure has shifted Since 2018, when researchers determined that the Siberian unicorn may have survived 
up to roughly 35,000 years ago. And according to a study published by Na- in Nature, Ecology, and Evolution, it suggests that they lived among Neanderthals and modern humans. And that could yeah. help explain the, the fantasy idea of the unicorn that we're familiar with today. Because we're basing it on these, these descriptions, and at least for most of the descriptions, the ancient descriptions, this Siberian unicorn fits the bill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and and that, go ahead. that makes me that makes me wonder, since Pliny had such a detailed description of this thing wallowing in mud, mm-hmm. which uh, the Elasmotherium, I I see depictions of them saying it does. Um. It had elephant-like feet. Uh, he didn't give it the crazy colors mm-hmm. that some of the other people did. He, um, it makes me wonder: could there have, like we've talked about in other animals, other cryptids, could it be that there was a relic population still living a lot more recently than science thinks, and? Ancient Greeks actually got to see, like maybe the the last remaining little herd of these elasmotheriums. Yeah, and could they have, if if, if the Ark legend is true, could they have lived up until the Great Flood? Yeah, because I mean, not pushing anything you know biblical here, but. Every culture has a story of a great flood happening at around the same time. So it's almost assuredly that there was a a great flood on in Earth's timeline around Mm -hmm. that time. And every every society has their own. How did we deal with it? So could it have actually lived up to that? Yeah. And there's geological evidence of it happening, too. Right. So, so the idea of the flood, like you said, Adam, is not a biblical thing. The story of Noah is a biblical thing. Um, but the flood, you know, based on the evidence we have, really did happen. Right, because there's Native American uh, legends of a man and woman and their family riding out the flood in a hollowed out tree. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's stories of how the human population survived through that flood. But it makes me wonder, did the Elasmotherium actually live up until maybe the flood? And, and yeah, it didn't survive like the other animals did or, and and that's why we have biblical references to a unicorn. And that's why we have Greek References with Pliny being such a detailed thing that is almost exactly what the Lasmotherium looks like. Yeah, yeah. I mean it. it it's it's almost right on the money. Um, scientists have actually carbon dated um, the Siberian unicorn uh, fossils. Uh, they tested twenty three fossils. So this isn't like a one one time mm. thing, you know. It wasn't like 
we found this one and this is it. No, I mean, 23 fossils they had to work with trying to learn more, uh, you know, about this creature and that it split genetically from the modern rhino during the Eocene period, which began around 56 million years ago. But during this time, many modern animals began to make their first appearances, like the like giant birds, hooved animals, um, and, and humans also began their first migrations to the area around that time as well. So there, there is the potential for a little bit of overlap that makes it seem like these were these were the the quote dinosaurs that humans interacted with right you know that they saw and you know when you think about the woolly mammoth and the saber-toothed tiger and those things we we know they existed and we're able to tell roughly how long and where they lived um and, and you know they they lived in a time where humans were appearing as well. So, you know, there's a really good chance that this is it. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense, um, especially based on the fossils that have been found. But what's, what is still unclear are the specifics behind the Siberian unicorn's extinction, which we, we've talked about the flood, but researchers don't, rule out the possibility of human spurred extinction because of overhunting, which, you know, we just recently talked about, you know, the overhunting of the uh, stellar sea cow mm-hmm. and that's how it went extinct. Um, the evidence really points to shifts in climate that occurred at the time, which took out a lot of animals like that, the, you know, similar species, um, but the unicorn, you know, what they feel is this particular Siberian unicorn probably ate grass and only grass, and it couldn't survive long, cold winters that eliminated the animal's only source of food. So if it wasn't carnivorous and it survived on grass, you know, uh, you know, a, a long ice age could theoretically wipe them out. Mm-hmm. So around 43 million years ago, during the Eocene period, uh, the Siberian unicorn likely split from modern rhinos in the course of evolution. Research suggests that the unicorn was a chrono species of modern rhinos. Now, chrono species evolved from another species with slightly different characteristics over a long period of time. And, and we, we've seen things like this before where, you know, we, we talked about that, um, you know, primates, you know, they, the primates had this innate fear of things above them, yep. of, of yep. flying things. Why? Well, because, you know, we, we believe that there was a, a, a a flying predator that existed that you know was kind of a the 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 link between um modern birds of prey and you know dinosaurs right you know so so we've seen it before it 
it begins to take a different path and it evolves into what we see today as opposed to how it looked back then. But the scientists believe that as this divergence occurred, the environment wasn't suitable for the survival of the original and it drove it to a, what they term a pseudo extinction, which is the process when one species survives an extinction in an evolved form. Hence, we get the modern rhinoceros. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but just talking about that, that is, to me, that is fascinating. You know, that they've been able to, you know, find this animal, not only see the, a potential living, a potential uh, ancient ancestor of the rhinoceros, but have been able to connect it with a time period that would have allowed it to be seen by humans and described, you know, in these ancient texts. Right, right. So, I, I mean, it, it, they're basically saying, hey, we think now that unicorns were real. But this is what they look like. Yeah. And it's a lot different. You know, I if you look up a picture of the Siberian unicorn, um, print it out and and give it to your daughter if you if you've got a daughter and say, Hey, look, I, I've I got you a picture of a unicorn. See what <laughs> they say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I showed Piper, I was like, Hey, this is what they believe that you that real unicorns actually look like. And she was like, What? <laughs> hmm. you know? What? Why? Why would we have a toy of that thing? It's right. like, yeah, that's that's yeah. exactly the 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 horse with the horn is a lot more pleasing to the eye. Yeah. Than the elasmotherium, big, big necked, brutish looking thing. But you know, like we said, the elasmotherium fits the early descriptions of unicorns. Yeah. And it, it fits the, you can't kill it. It can't be trapped. It's tough. It wallows in the mud. Mm -hmm. it, 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 more modern depictions became this, I guess, you know, like with chivalry being connected to it and everything, they had, oh, well, a horse is chivalrous, so let's make it look like a horse, not this rhinoceros looking thing. Yeah. And, you know, you could see an, an artist's rendition based on these ancient descriptions just changing slightly over time, mm -hmm. just like Adam said, to make it more visually appealing. Um, you know, it's what well, it's like. It's like dinosaurs. Most likely dinosaurs don't look didn't look like what we imagine they look like today. No. Um, you know, there's a good chance that a lot of them were covered in feathers. Or, or some type of strange fur. And we always think of dinosaurs as being lizards, you know, big mm -hmm. reptiles, you know, skin, They're scaly, you know. Probably um, closer to angry chickens. <laughs> really angry chickens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we should come up with a new name for them. Um, that means angry chicken. I agree. Instead yeah. of thunder lizard. Yeah, thunder lizard. Thunder chicken. Thunder chicken. Man, that's I, if I ever start a band, it's going to be called Thunder Chicken. <laughs> I bet you there's one out there. <laughs> it's already there. Yeah. You know, go to register the name. Uh, yeah. 
They, they, yeah, they're already around. There's 14 Thunder Chickens, but no. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I mean, doing this research was a lot of fun. Um, you, you, you do come across a, a lot of silly stuff like um, Grand Rapids, Michigan ran some articles of wild unicorn spottings. And essentially, it's photographs taken of a guy wearing the the big rubber unicorn mask, which right. you're saying I've got one. Um, you know the the unit the the just it's a horse head with a unicorn thing, and you just put mm-hmm. it on. It, it's great. I mean, it looks awesome. But that's what it is. I went and looked. You know, it's good for a laugh. You know, everybody had sure. a good time. But that's sure. when you go to research them. That's the stuff you find. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Or you find a bunch of articles about when they when they discovered the Siberian unicorn, um, but it was it's still it's still a lot of fun. And like we said, this was kind of a throwback to um, some of our episodes where we used just a broad topic. Um, but it, it was kind of cool that just about a year after we started this show, they discovered um, they discovered the uh, East Sibericum. And mm-hmm. started making these connections. So, had we done this episode back when we did those, we wouldn't have found this information. So, right, right. See, there's a reason we wait on things. Yeah, that's right. It, it may not be by our own doing. Maybe you know somebody in in the ether said, "Don't do unicorns yet." Yeah, and we just yeah. we we didn't actually hear it. We just went, you know, probably shouldn't do unicorns yet. I don't know why. <laughs> I just get this feeling. I mean, we did we did mermaids and everything early on. So yeah, why not? no kidding. Yeah, we did. We just didn't do unicorns. Yep. But th- this is the time of the show where we ask, you know, what do you think? What What do you think about unicorns? Do Do you think this is a a, a logical thing that you know? Um, I can't say that word, Adam. What is it? E- e- Ethereum. Elasmatherium. Yep. Yeah. So what do you think? You think Elasmatherium Sibiricum is probably the the creature that inspired the unicorn myths and legends? Or do you think there was more likely a, an actual horse that had a horn um, that may or may not have had some magical powers? Um, look at the uh, look at look at all these antelope type animals with these very unique looking horns um Mm -hmm. you could could definitely see the connection there too it's possible they find in at some point a horse body with a horn yeah there could have been horned horses at one point who knows i mean you you think about it everybody's like oh you know that i i don't know i mean we we've seen we've seen stranger stuff i mean you know look, look at a deer I mean, if you if you look at a buck with a huge antlers, is it is it so far out of touch that there was a a, a species of horse that had horns as well? Mm-hmm. Um, we see other animals that are similar uh, that have horns. Why not? Yeah, but who knows? But as let far us know. as we know, at yeah. this point, no. That's right. But That's right. And like Matt and I have always said, you can't count it out. You know, the, right. the lack of evidence for something is not evidence of the lack of something. Right, 
Right. Yeah. It doesn't prove anything really. You know, there's mm-hmm. always a chance, but tell us what you think. And the best way to do that is to get in our Facebook group. It's called the graveyard. Um, you go on, go on Facebook, search us up, uh, thousands of members in this group. And we have a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of activity. It's one of the most active groups I've ever been a part of. And people oh, yeah. are sharing, sharing jokes. They're sharing personal experiences, even asking for help with, you know, strange occurrences in and around their home or, you know, it's one so, of the but, nicest groups too. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's nice. Nobody's going to make everybody fun of Everybody in there is great. Yeah. We just want to hear those great stories and don't forget to go and rate and review us on iTunes. It brings us up the chart so that when somebody comes in and searches, Hey, I want a podcast about paranormal stuff or cryptids or ghosts. There's a better chance that graveyard tales is going to pop up, which just mm-hmm. brings more people into the graveyard. Check out our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com. Uh, you can find links to purchase graveyard tales merchandise. So it's a good time to get that, uh, get that koozie, uh, with, with, uh, with our skull Mike logo or to, or to, you know, get that summer t-shirt you want to wear and mm-hmm. promote your favorite podcast. Um, you can also listen to the show and you can become a patron and that's where you can sign up and get access to all that bonus content. Uh, like I said, we've got a ton. We got so much. I can't even remember what all we've done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this was a lot of fun, Adam. I, I'm glad, I'm glad we did this. Um, yep. So, you know, like I said, let us know what you think. And until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you Love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting one hundred dollars back and one hundred percent accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.